Hi everybody, this is Andrew from Therefore I Geek. Don't be alarmed, you are in fact listening to the Therefore I Geek podcast. It just happens that the first several episodes we recorded went by the name Random Thought Generator. We changed the name starting with episode 9, but decided not to go back and try changing everything about the old episodes. So, without further ado, enjoy this episode of Therefore I Geek. You are listening to Random Thought Generator, episode number five, brought to you by Therefore I Geek. Hi, I'm Andrew. And I'm Tracy. And welcome to another episode of Random Thought Generator. Today we're going to be talking about origin stories. Uh, origin stories are, you know, a fairly important part of comics and movies and pop culture in general. They give us the the background story of our favorite our favorite characters, our heroes, things like and that. And a lot of times they introduce the um, the plotline of the story as well. Plotline uh, frequently introduces the villain in some respects. Yeah, a lot of things like that. And so they're important. And they set up. They set up why a lot of times they set up why the main character does what he does. Yeah, very true. She. Very true. You know, I mean, like nowadays we think of of origin stories as getting a little a little played out in terms of we've seen them so many times, and especially in comics, you know, you kind of wonder why do they keep doing these origin stories. Uh, especially when they re- they create new origin stories for the same character over and over and change them that's annoying yeah well the change the changes are are are, are something new in i think in general because they want to do something a little bit different but historically uh they did these these origin stories every couple of years maybe even even a little bit longer than that but they did it because of the 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 generational uh turnover rate in comic book readers every few years you've got a new batch of kids who are starting to read comics what I, di- I didn't know this. That makes so much sense, though. Yeah. No, but, I mean, back in the day, that's exactly why they did it. You know, every few years you get, like I said, a new batch of kids who, who want to read comics but don't necessarily know the origin of Superman. So every few years they'd retell the origin story and you'd get a little bit more or a little bit less every time, you know, depending upon who was writing it. But, but that was the general idea. We got away from that a little bit more in, like, the 1960s uh, with some of, like, with, especially with Marvel some of the Marvel stories, you, know, you get the origin, you may get like a recap every few years of what the origin was. I just recently read uh, The Amazing Spider-Man uh, number one to the return of Peter Parker. And in the first two pages, they give you... Was this because you, a, you watched, after you watched the movie? Well, yeah, they timed the you movie. Just, re- you just mentioned in the on the blog the other day that uh, you watched the movie and then wanted to go watch read a bunch of Right. Well, I didn't. I, I unfortunately didn't go back and read some of the vintage stuff, but they timed the movie really well to coincide with the re- with the release of the new Amazing Spider-Man series. Uh-huh. Marketing, who knew? <laughs> but in the first couple of pages of the of the book, they actually give you a quick quick retelling of the origin of, of super of Superman of Spider-Man. We'll talk about Superman in a second here. The origin of Spider-Man, but it's basically the 1960s origin. They're adding a little bit to it because they're going to add some plot lines to Amazing Spider-Man. But in general, you know, I mean, it, they even the art's even similar to what the 1960s was. You know, they've got Peter dressed in the same the same clothing as he nice. was in that in that particular issue. And you know, in general, I'd say Spider-Man is actually one of the one of the Marvel origin stories I, I prefer. I think it's I think it's a well done. It's it's fairly succinct uh, in terms of how he gets his powers. And then it takes it a step further uh, and sets up the great uh, Stanley lot with great power comes great responsibility. Uh-huh. You know, when Peter goes out and he's, uh, he's trying to, he's using his powers to earn, earn extra cash 
as a, as a wrestler uh, as opposed to immediately going out and deciding to fight crime. And then when a thief runs past him, he just blows him off, and it turns out the thief is the one who kills Uncle Ben. Yeah, yeah. So if Peter had used his, used his new newfound powers better, more responsibly, Uncle Ben would still be around. And that kind of drives Peter to do to do the whole Spider-Man thing, to do what he does. Yeah, that is a really nice setup. I've always appreciated that. Um, and of course, as I've mentioned before, I have a special affinity with Spider-Man. Not because of the books at all, but just because that was one of the first com- real comic books that I got into when I was a kid. Yeah, well, I mean, and Spider-Man is, I mean, it's not my favorite, but it is usually pretty well told. In, in recent years, it's had some really great artists on it. You know, it's an all-around pretty solid comic book and it's one of one of the the bigger marvel titles i think so a moment ago i had a little bit of a flub there and uh, and mentioned superman uh and from the dc side of the house superman probably is also probably my favorite of the origin stories a few years back grant morrison in all-star uh superman did a really fantastic origin story in four panels uh, it's four panels and i think it's eight words and i think it really pretty succinctly gives you what you need to know about Superman without going into crazy detail and taking up too much space of this uh, of a 12 uh, it's a 12 part mini series and it, I mean, in general I mean the Man of Steel I think did a fantastic job as well with the origin story you know. uh, the movie yes yes it did and I, I, I never even really had a problem with um, the 1970s uh, Superman with that origin story either I think it was. I think they were. It was well done, and it, that one. I mean, obviously, that one. The movies were obviously quite a bit longer than you know one panel eight word or one page eight words, but mm-hmm. I think it was all very well done. Do you want to hear an origin story that I really liked? What's that? Of course, I'm not as big of a comic book person as you are, and um, so mine is actually a book that I started reading when I was very young. I think it was six, the very first time that I read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Oh, yes. And I read it a lot. I read it, um, I lost count at 19 times when I was about 11. Wow. And I've, yes, well. I mean, I mean don't get me wrong. Book. I, I love the book as well. I think I read, that was the first book I ever read in one sitting, but 19 times is a lot. It, it really shaped a lot of how I view both fantasy reading and the real world, but this isn't my origin story. It's actually C.S. Lewis's origin story uh, for the Pevensey family, which, of course, for those who know Narnia, are the four children that travel to Narnia the most. There are a couple others um, in different generations. Although he... Yeah, yes. Um, although The Magician's Nephew is the first chronological Narnia book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is the first that C.S. Lewis wrote. And it's the first one in which we meet the Pevensey kids. And there's four of them. And, of course, Lucy's the first one to discover. I mean, if you've watched the movie or read the books, you know Lucy's the first one to go into the uh, wardrobe to discover that the back of it is larger than the front of it. Oh, that sounds that sounds like another fantasy series that we know of where the inside's larger than the outside. Um, and Are we then, of course... To a TARDIS? Maybe. I don't know. It could happen. <laughs> So, the then her brother joins her, and of course he's kind of a Edmund's a little bit of a brat at first, and then the two older ones end up joining them, and they have quite an adventure. And that it's just, I love C.S. Lewis's style for a man who never had his own children and who was not around children very often. He relates to them beautifully, and I think it has to be his personal sense of wonder. One of my favorite scenes is when they first meet the Mr. Beaver, when they, the, all four children are in Narnia for the first time together, and they're trying to figure out what this creature is off in the underbrush who's waving at them frantically, and they suggest multiple animals, and then one says, it's a beaver, I saw its tail. That's exactly how I would respond as a, as a six-year-old. Another point, at another point, um, C.S. Lewis breaks down the fourth wall and speaks directly to his audience and he says something about Peter's voice sounded pale in the darkness and then in parentheses he puts uh, I hope you know what I mean by a voice sounding pale and he just kind of gives this nod to his readers like we're all on this adventure together this is the origin story of the Pevensies but in a way it's my origin story as an author for the first time connecting with you 
I have to go back and look. And I, I don't, just I don't remember I that. that. I don't remember that that uh, that aside, but I'll have to go back and look at the books. It's definitely worth the whole book is worth another read, even as an adult. But I just love that this is not just the origin story of the four characters, but this is the first time that this author is taking you on this journey, and it's a great way to establish a connection with the audience. I I love it. Yeah. Well, and. I was a big fan of the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And like you said, it's not the origin story of Narnia. That's the magician's nephew. But I think of the two, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is, is a much better book. It is. It flows more smoothly, and you connect much better with those characters. Well, it's, it, the, the magician's nephew is also just a little bizarre. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. Uh, up until probably the last two or three pages, um, there's a connection to the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, finally. But until you know, until then, it, it it seems almost standalone. It is, and it's about characters that you don't really see. I mean, at some point, you, it dawns on you that the magician's nephew, the main character, is the professor that the Pevensies stay with in *The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe*. Right. And it's his wardrobe that they go into. But other than that, you have no real connection with that with Polly and Diggory, the two characters from The Magician's Nephew. Right. And at no point does C.S. Lewis make a huge effort to allow his readers to identify. This is just a background story. This is the prologue to his series. It's not like the connection that you have with Peter Pevensey or Lucy. I could be Lucy. I could never be Polly. Anyway, that's how I look at it. Yeah, so staying on the on the literary theme for a second, and actually uh, moving to one of C.S. Lewis's very close friends, and J.R.R. Tolkien, I always, especially in the films, enjoyed the origin of the Ring, the One Ring. Um, Again, at the right. beginning of of Lord of the Rings, we get enough of the history of the Ring so that people who've never who've never read the books uh, know what's going on and understand enough. Oh, in the movies, yes, specifically. enough about the okay, Ring. Gotcha. Right, because um, Peter Jackson hadn't made The Hobbit yet, so we don't actually know anything about The Ring when it is introduced in the Fellowship. Even if even Any if we, even if he had already made The Hobbit, it doesn't provide you much background other than how Bilbo found The Ring, and that it makes people invisible, which is the least of its abilities. Right, but what Peter Jackson gave us in the beginning of Lord of the Rings with the with the voiceover narration is an actual bit of history of The Ring. Mm-hmm. But then, as the story progresses. We get more and more of the of the story. You know, you get more at the Council of Elrond. You get more at the beginning of Return of the King. We see um, Deagle and Smeagol fighting over the ring and when it's found and right. things like that. So that's some really nice backstory, and it was beautifully shot too. I'm, I realize we're talking about origin stories, but I just have to point well, out. Well, I mean, the, the whole green the whole shot. film was was beautifully shot. I mean, that's you know. Yeah. But, I missed that. That was that was one of my first introductions to a really well-made fantasy movie, and it kind of spoiled me. Well, for a long time, there were not a lot of well-made fantasy f- movies. Yeah, I mean, we're talking... Good point, actually. We're talking the yeah. early 2000s. I can't remember... Oh, Bert... Underworld. I like Underworld. Yeah, that, that was a good origin story, too. Yeah, but that was that was pre... That was post-Lord of the Rings, I'm, I'm fairly certain. Was it really? Oh, I've lost track of my timeline. Are you sure? Not 100%, but I think so. I'll look right up. Oh, okay. Sorry, go ahead. But what I was going to say, I mean, you know, the 90s, you had like Braveheart, and so it's not really fantasy, but it's that sword and saddle kind of. Mm-hmm. But I mean, before that, I mean, you had stuff like, you know, Dino De Laurentiis' Conan and stuff, which, I mean, they're they're great B, B movies, but they're god-awful actual movies. Mm-hmm. Ooh, um, while we're talking about origin stories, what about stories that don't have an origin? When you said Braveheart, I thought of the Gladiator, and you don't really get any of his backstory at all. That's true. No, I mean, but that, I don't. I don't know that that's. I think that's the exception that you can tell a really good story without a whole lot of background. Uh, I don't know that you you can't tell a story without. Like, I mean, like I don't know that's the exception. I think just we have come to expect one and almost demand one. I mean, how frequently is there some kind of prequel that that explains everything that happened before? And especially in the fantasy genre, and to some extent also in the science fiction genre, even if the author doesn't start, well, C.S. Lewis did that with the Narnia books too, we just said that, um, that even if the author doesn't start with the origin story, a lot of times they go back and write one. 
Um, George R. R. Martin is doing that right now with uh, Game of Thrones or uh, Song of Ice and Fire, where he's writing short stories that fill in information about Aegon the Conqueror and right. um, a little bit more about Rhaegar and the, the people they slaughtered him. Uh, what's the, all what's the one Tolkien did for the Lord of the Rings? The whole history I can never I can never remember the name quite. The right. Silmarillion. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was that that was actually written more almost as a textbook than a. Than a the than language a, than a story. in it is stunning, but it's really heavy reading. Well, it's really, it's always taken me a while to get through, and I've read it about three times. You're one of the few people who's ever read all of it like, at once, let alone multiple times. Peter Jackson is hinting at possibly making it a movie. I mean, obviously, it's, the franchises make really good money, but, oh, I don't know. That's a much harder tale to tell, because it's more about the high elves. and. It is. I, I, think, there, I think it could do well. I mean, and he, he is taking little bits and pieces... I think from it, same thing with the appendices for, and, and adding them to The Hobbit, so. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. My opinion on that is no, don't do it. <laughs> I hate that, but yeah, sorry. Continue. I don't mind the We're appendices stuff, but some of the other stuff. But uh, getting back to uh, to where we were, I'm also you know, a huge X-Men fan. And in general, I don't think the X-Men as a team have a very good origin story. Uh, you know, the first issue uh, kind of picks up with most of the team assembled and Jean Grey kind of joining in at the last minute. But about a, about 12 ish, it's issues 12 and 13, we get the origin of Professor X and his his stepbrother, uh, Juggernaut. Uh, and the two- Wait a minute. Okay, wait, 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 wait. The Juggernaut is Professor X's stepbrother? Yes. Did you Are know you that? serious? Yeah, I'm serious. No! Okay. Yeah. Continue. Continuing. I. I did not. I did. I really did not know that. Huh. Well, now you know. Learn something new every I'm day. Alone. Well, okay. So in first class, like the the movie, they didn't ever mention that. Well, and, so in the X Men film, like in, the, in the film franchise, Juggernaut's a mutant. Juggernaut is in the comics is not a mutant. And how does he crash through stuff? He is, his powers are mystical, not not mutant powers. Which parent did they share? They didn't share a parent. Step brother, not half brother. Prof- Professor X's. Right. Uh, mother married Juggernaut's father. Oh, interesting. So, but that that was that was kind of an interesting one because the story is being told as Juggernaut is attacking and as he's beating his way through the uh, through the school's defenses. The professor is telling this this parallel story, parallel in the sense that it, it, he's telling it while all this is happening outside the school, but also parallel in terms of his story and Juggernaut's story running together. And I thought I thought that was always really well done. And you know, I mean, Juggernaut's a, a, a classic X Men villain. We're talking about X Men villains. It's, I mean, it's probably decades before we get a real good Magneto uh, origin story, as compared to you know, Juggernaut gets it really in in his first appearances. There's actually a series that has two origin stories for the same character, uh, Redwall, which was a huge influence on my childhood. By Brian Jakes, not Jocks, by the way. It's Jakes. Um, I don't remember a whole lot about those story... books, but I do remember having a hard time with mole speak. Well, I think everybody does. Uh, I was fortunate that I was able to get a hold of the recordings that Brian Jakes did with his son, and I think was his son, and a whole bunch of his friends. So they all play different parts, and so I got to hear the mole speak out loud, which made more it sounded better it was like it was just like a heavy accent or so you I, could understand it a little better right it's I, hard to read an accent i always kind of figured that was what it was but yeah the, just trying to occasionally trying to figure out what the actual words were because it's, sometimes it's, they it's make up words in the accent too. well that too so the original book the first book that brian mm-hmm. jakes wrote i believe he wrote it in 1986 which was the year that i was born so that tells you how long the series was running um was about a warrior mouse named Matthias, who didn't know he was a warrior yet, who lived in a red sandstone abbey at, that was under attack by some rats, led by a guy named Clooney Jesus. And he dreams about being a warrior like the mentor of the, or not the mentor, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The um, kind of patron warrior saint of the abbey, Martin the Warrior, right. who is way back in former history and had a sword. And there's a tapestry hanging in the abbey that depicts Martin the warrior with his famous sword. And so Matthias wants to act like Martin in order to drive the rats away, and of course, in the end, he does. But that's the middle of the story. 
So then Brian Jakes went back and wrote Martin's story in a book called Mossflower, which Mossflower is the name of the forest that's right next to the Redwall Abbey. And the forest was there long before the abbey was actually built. So then he tells the story of how Martin comes to the forest, which is being, the people that live there are being harassed by a group of wild cats, Fredalga Green Eyes and his daughter and his son. And so Martin um, gets a bunch of people together. I mean, I'm making a long story short, but he gets a bunch of people together and they drive out the cats, the wild cats, and then they save the day. And then that's when they the book ends as they decide to build the abbey. Well, then a few books later, Brian Jakes continues to write. And then he writes the story of Martin the warrior as a young mouse before he was a warrior at all. So Mossflower was perhaps my favorite Red Ball book of, of all time. I think there ended up being... 20 or something books. Yeah, there were a ton of them. A lot of them. And he was writing them long after I was in my 20s. So he recently passed away a couple of years ago. And I believe he was writing them pretty much right up until he died. So there are I don't even think he died that. I think it may have been been just a year ago he died. Really? Well, and then he was writing them about one a year for a long time. So anyway, so he was writing. And then he decided to write the story of Martin as a, a very young mouse before he became a warrior at all. Mossflower is a wonderful book. It's very well written. It flows very well. I like the names of the characters. I like the types of characters. Everyone seems to fit the type of animal that they are. And then he wrote this other book that is actually titled Martin the Warrior. And it's disappointing. I'm not going to say it's a terrible book because he's an excellent writer. Um, He tells yarns and his books are written as a yarn. Like a sea tale or something like that. It almost sounds like a, a little bardian like you're sitting down and you're just having a conversation around a fire and you're telling a story and, and it, with a it loot. yeah with a <laughs> with a loot it, it just so i've it, been listening to a lot of D podcasts lately but, uh, well i mean do we roll six to not have this book written um it's i don't know i could have done without it the series would have been complete and we would have been fine we didn't know, need to know that Martin the Warrior, it's, he was set up to be a very strong, a very um, self-reliant animal, individual. And then we get to see about how he was a little baby mouse and he was beat up by people and he was scared all the time. I don't think it was necessary. We didn't need to know that backstory. It didn't actually so even it, fit his character well. So it introduced a lot of like doubts and stuff to the character then. Yes, that that you spent had just spent at least two books, or there had just been two books written about how he didn't have any doubts that he was just a strong individual and that he was a great leader and that kind of thing. You didn't need to know that when he was younger he wasn't he wasn't like that. So right. that's that's one in which the, I think the origin story did not fit the later story at all. Another one of my. Uh... My favorite origin stories. This one's a little a little oddball one, but is the story of Cloud in Final Fantasy VII. And like, I mean, this is, you know, it's a it's a Japanese RPG, so the story's going to get kind of out there at times. Um, but <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry. you know, once you're a few hours into the game, you get what you think is the origin story of Cloud, where Cloud and another character Tifa grew up in this little little village outside of Midgar. And he went off to join this program called Soldier, and Tifa stayed behind. Then eventually they met back up, and that's kind of where the story starts off, where it picks up for the game. And during some of that, you also get some flashbacks to one of Cloud's first missions as a soldier mm-hmm. with, the, with uh, the main villain named Sephiroth. And part of it, there's a Cloud and Sephiroth and, and two other lower-ranked soldiers are riding along, sitting in the back of a truck, talking well, come to find out later on that this isn't at all Cloud's origin. Cloud is actually a clone of some kind of Sephiroth's, though he doesn't actually look like Sephiroth, so don't ask me on that one. But oh, so he wait, wait, what? So he shares Sephiroth's genetic, exact genetic. He's an exact genetic copy of Sephiroth with I think fake so. with fake memories, or did they? Yeah. What? I'm not exactly sure how that works, but what you find out is that the memories he's thinking of growing up with Tifa uh, and the mission are actually the memories of uh, someone else named Zack, 
and that in that first mission, Cloud is actually one of the lower-ranking soldiers. He's just kind of along for the ride. He's not the one who's fighting along alongside Sephiroth. Wait, so this um, is a guy who's an exact genetic copy of someone else, but he doesn't know that. And he has right. the memories of a third character, and he doesn't realize that. Yep. Whoa. Man, I love Japanese RPGs. <laughs> wow. Because they're gonna take gone they're gone. gonna take turns that that you would never you could never think would ever happen. Wow, that is. I mean, I couldn't really I, I couldn't come up with one of those twists, let alone both of those twists in the same character. Wow, that's a really cool. So so, how long does it take you to like? Do you just learn this piece by piece, or do they just reveal it kind of like a big reveal all at once? You start getting pieces that something's not right, like all the pieces aren't fitting together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's, there's obviously, there's a big reveal. Wow. Interesting. See, this makes me want to play this game. It's too bad I suck at video games. Yeah. Also, this was a long game. <laughs> oh, good times. Good times. I think, I think at one point I had dumped 60 or 70 hours into it. Wow. Did you have any other? Still not, which is still not my record. I'm not going to ask. I'm not going to ask. We're talking about origin you really, stories. You really shouldn't. Uh, so, swinging back to comic books for a moment, I am not a particular fan of uh, Batman's origin. Oh. I'm, I'm, I'm a huge I'm, Batman fan. Sh- I just I don't, don't really like that. his origin. I don't think you're allowed to like, tell Okay, yeah, parents that. die. He gets sad. Eventually, he goes and fights crime. And there's, obviously, but didn't there's more they, to they it. Weren't, weren't they killed by crime people? People that were committing crimes? Weren't they murdered? Or yeah, they were, ki- they were killed during a robbery. Well, there you go. It's just like Uncle Ben. Yeah, it's just I don't know. It's it seems like like Batman. Batman was a kid, and it wasn't because of his. I mean, he blames himself because he wanted to leave the movie theater, but it's not really because of his actions that his parents are killed. Oh, there's Uncle no ben direct is killed line. because because Peter doesn't stop the thief, and he's pissed off. Right. Oh, good point there. I didn't think about that. There's right. no direct connection and, between Bruce and the death of his parents. I mean, not, not a real one. Right. Yeah. Moving forward a little bit, you know, there have been some really good, what's called retroactive continuity, or, or retconning of, of Batman's origin. Batman Begins is a, is a fantastic example. I love that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That was, and I think they did a really good job there in terms of not just Batman's parents die, but what happens in, in the interim. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a kid when his parents die, and he's not Batman until he's probably in his 20s. And what happens in between you know. also influences him. Yeah, good point. That that is a yeah. better, a more smoother, a more smoother, right? A smoother. And also, he's got all these crazy skills. So where did he learn these skills? Right. Oh yeah. You know, where did he learn to fight? Where did he learn? You know, where does he get all this cool that. technology yeah. from? That kind of stuff. Um. But it, within Batman, uh, the Batman comics specifically, because they're there really isn't a joke, an origin for Joker, or else there's um, like twenty thousand of them. Uh-huh. Right, well, right. There have been at least dozens of probably probably dozen. Um, there have been several tellings of Joker's origin, and they're all the homage that yeah, yeah, the homage they pay to him. Yeah, Heath Ledger keeps. He starts off saying, you know, tell us, oh, you want to know how I got these scars? And I knew a lot of people who the first time they heard that, they were just like, oh, no, they're, they're going to give some kind of stupid explanation. And so, you know, Joker, you know, talking about which one, which, which uses first. But the point is, he changes the story every time he tells it. So there is no, there is nothing set. And those same people who are groaning the first time really got on board with that. Nice. They did. Oh, man, those were good movies. And I'm not a DC person. You know this. Those were good movies. Those made me want to read Batman. Yeah, but I mean, Batman is, aside from being obviously DC's flagship, being in DC's flagship title, and Batman is just consistently better written for years, especially lately with Scott Snyder uh, doing writing and then with Greg Capullo on the art. Yeah. It's just been an, an outstanding book the last, uh, going on three years now. It's going to be a very sad day when that pair come off that book. Although Capullo has been known to do like, idiotically long runs he was, I think he was on spawn for something like 10 years really wow that is a long time today yeah i've read way way more spawn than i want to admit to but i think he comes on in the 20s and i've read up 
up into the hundred, you know, the one fifteen range, and he's still on the book oh, at that wow. point. So, well, Spawn has some pretty dedicated fans. Yeah, I mean, it's not as good as it used to be, but. So, did you have any other origin stories that you wanted to tell? Uh, no. No. Okay. So I was going to say something that um, is really interesting to me is how authors where authors decide to tell their origin stories. So you have something like say say Lord of the Rings, um, where H. Tolkien began writing the Lord of the Rings. That was his baby. That was that was what he really wanted to tell. But the first thing that he published was The Hobbit, which was a children's story. And in a way, it was the prequel. It was the origin story of, it was our introduction to Middle Earth, to hobbits. It was, it's interesting to me that he decided to tell us about hobbits instead of, oh, I don't know, the history of the Dunedain or something else. Like the, He chose to tell a very limited scope story of Bilbo and this. But this hobbits very are relatable. Kind of, they are. Especially, especially to, to, to the English. Oh, that's a good point. That is true. But then other people, like C.S. Lewis, don't publish the origin story of Narnia until well into the series. They start in the middle. Uh, this is a quote that I, I heard one time. I can't remember where, who said it or what, but I remember it and I love it. The best way to tell a story is to start in the middle and to work for, toward both ends. Right. Well, and that's actually a, a literary term called in media res. Yeah. And roughly in Latin, I think roughly that translates to uh, in the middle and basically, you start in the middle of the action, in the middle of the story, and you and you work from there. You can add add bits and pieces, but it's a great way to, to get the reader's attention immediately. It's it's my favorite to slog way. To, through. Yes, yes, it's my favorite way to read it. Uh, any series. A lot of times, I will deliberately pick a book in the middle, maybe the third book in the series, and then I'll read backward towards the beginning and read forward towards the end, and. It's interesting to see the parallels, especially if it's a really good author that's been paying attention to their own detail. George R. R. Martin is good at this, although I would never suggest that anyone read those out of order. That would be awful. But for the most part... <laughs> oh, God, the spoilers. Oh, God. <laughs> that, oh, that's... Don't do that, uh, listeners. Don't don't read George R. R. Martin out of order. But for a lot of other people, I would recommend start, it. Start with book three and realize, oh, God, Ned's already dead. Patricia C. Reed is one that you can read out of order. Some Susan Cooper sometimes is good. Floyd Alexander, the Black Cauldron book. So they start in the middle and then they work towards the beginning or they, they write for a little while and then decide to throw an origin story smack in the middle. I think that's a cool idea. And again, the parallels to the different details are really cool. Oh, that's why that happened back in book three because of these things. Yeah, that's true. So we're actually telling origin stories because... It's our anniversary, and we want to tell our own origin story. So wanna... it, uh, it, I'll go ahead and start. It, it's a little fitting. Um, we started the blog uh, a year ago, a little, little, little under a year ago by the time this podcast comes out, but within a few days here. Um, and I was on travel for work in uh, southern Georgia. Uh, and as we're recording this podcast, I am once again on travel in southern Georgia for work. It's, it's an annual thing, folks. Not really. Well, we hope not. No, it, it really had better not be. I like Georgia. I don't know. Maybe it's because I didn't have to work there, but I liked it. Well, it's a nice state. There's just not a whole lot going on in this town. That's all. Yeah. Also, the internet sucks. This is also true. But getting back to to, to our story, for years, um, friends of mine had, had been getting on me. I have a tendency to go on on long, um, somewhat comedic rants about stuff. No, I um, never noticed. And sometimes, sometimes those, uh, sometimes alcohol helps fuel those. Uh, and by sometimes, I mean most of the time. <laughs> but for years, friends of mine have been threatening to record these rants and put them on the internet for uh, for the amusement of the masses. And we never really got around to doing it. I think they were afraid I'd do something to them if they did. So that, that never happened. Um, That's a legitimate fear. I just want you to know. <laughs> yeah, well. You're scary when you're angry. Continue. Redheads. I'm telling you guys. Redheads. The world is ours. Not yet. Sorry. It will be. It will be. So flash forwarding a few years, and I'll let Tracy tell part of this here, so I'll, I'll skip a little bit here, and, and Tracy can come back to it. But uh, Tracy used to run a Game of Thrones night, and through conversations 
at, at those Game of Thrones nights, right before traveling to Georgia, she had she had said, you know, you maybe you should you should try starting a blog sometimes. Okay, yeah, whatever. Kind of blew it off. Went home, whatever. And over the years, I have learned that long car rides are not really good for me because I think on long car rides. Uh, and anyone who knows me knows that's a really bad idea. But as I'm on the nine-hour drive from from Virginia to Georgia, the little little seed Tracy planted there started started brewing a little bit. Talk and, about a uh, mixed metaphor. The seed that I planted started brewing. Sorry, continue. I've been drinking a lot of beer. Okay. <laughs> well, brewing you are right beer. next to that brewery, so I would be su- more surprised if you didn't continue. I'm sorry. <laughs> So while I was down here, Tracy came down to visit and um, I kind of asked her, I was like, you know, were you serious about that whole blog thing or were you just kind of, you know, spitballing? And Tracy was, no, I was, I was serious. You should give it a try. I said, okay. Said, I'll give it a try. Said, but you've got to be my editor. Uh, I'm an engineer by trade and that means I can write technical documents very well. But I also know I have limitations when it comes to spelling, punctuation, grammar, etc. That may be a little counterintuitive after I just said I write technical papers very well, but I write technical work documents very well. I do not write technical English very well. Uh, we'll go with that. <laughs> yeah, good, good explanation. So going into something like this, I knew I needed someone to proofread my stuff and, and help me out there. And over with the that, my doom few, was sealed. You know, so over the course of a few days, I looked into you know what I needed to do to form a blog and, and things like that. And about 10.30 at night, I started doing the, uh, the setup and uh, we pretty well went live the next day. That was real. We, yeah, you kind of contacted me and said, "Oh, by the way, we're ready to go. Let's go." And I had well, just finished finals, and I was like, "Okay, I guess we're doing this." Yeah. Well, we had planned to try and get a lot more stuff done ahead of time, and then we just kind of said, "Oh, fuck it," and ran with it. Yeah. So, um, Game of Thrones nights was season three of Game of Thrones. And it was right before the premiere, and I posted something on Facebook asking if anyone wanted to get together for a night, a dinner before the premiere and um, have some wine and then uh, watch the show and then talk about it. And yeah, my I friend think, Nick... Weren't you, weren't you trying to catch up, uh, a, co- a couple of our friends up on the show as well? Um, I, I was. We wa- we ended up watching, I think, the last two episodes of the of season two, and then we finished right before nine o'clock when season three premiered. So we were eating and watching, but I think only Nick came to that night. Wasn't that the only night? I think so. Um, I think, I think it was the three of us that first night. Oh, right. You were there too. Duh. Um, so it was me, Andrew, and then our mutual friend, Nick. Uh, we watched the show, got something to eat. And we had so we ended up talking really late about the show and about other things. And it helped that I was working second shift and didn't have to get up until about noon that helped, the next day. Yeah, that helped a lot. And so, Everyone else had to get up for work at like 6. Well, no, Nick's a server, so he was, he was up late. Uh, he was able to stay up late, too. Um, so we all were hanging out until like 11.30 at night, chatting about stuff. And then we had so much fun that I, I just kind of decided to make it a weekly thing. So for the rest of the season, I just had people over for dinner and, and then the show. We had a great time. And a lot of times, just because you were working second shift, Andrew would stay later than everybody else while I was still cleaning up the kitchen and all that kind of stuff. And we would chat about stuff. And Andrew's funny. I mean, he first of all, he's got a lot of he's got a, a ridiculous amount of trivial knowledge in his head, and he's also sarcastic and amusing, and that appeals to my sense of humor too. So regular I, I knowledge, not so much, but but you know, random trivial crap that nobody really cares about. I know a lot of that. Uh, isn't that always the stuff that sticks? I hate that. Anyway, so um, like Andrew said, Why do you he, hate that. I love it because I'm in school. I have to study things. I need that stuff to stick. No, for me, I'm long enough to pass the test. Well, yeah, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, like Andrew said, I, I mentioned that he should write a blog, and I was serious about it. I thought that would be a great way to um, get some of those thoughts out on, on paper. And I thought that it shouldn't be limited to just me at 1130 at night cleaning up the kitchen chatting with him. So um, he went down to Georgia, talked to me, and uh, we started with a bitching fanboy post. It was awesome. That was fun. And yeah, and oh yeah, so I drove down with Shana. That was, um, I took a road trip with my friend Shana, and um, we ended up in the same area of Georgia that Andrew was working for his job and hung out one of the evenings, got some great barbecue, the Bush breweries right there, so we did a tour of that and got some good food there. It was cool, and um, chatted about the possibility of the blog. 
And and ever since, I mean, we've been working together on it mostly in harmony. Although we have had some insane arguments over word placement. I don't. Uh, I don't the atomic Robo post. Was it the atomic? Yes, because yes, it was. Oh my gosh, I'm so mad now. Like now, I'm angry because I'm thinking about that post. I I finally I just gave up because I couldn't. You are. I'm a really stubborn, but that was. Um, but actually now, I mean, it's gotten much better now. Also, you, you're improving. Your writing has improved exponentially since we started. I would hope so. I would hope so. We've been writing a lot. We have. You've written a lot, and I've we, written a lot, we'll be too. Close to, we'll be close to almost 300 posts by the time we hit, hit our anniversary. Nice. Yeah, well, we've written almost every day for a year. But it, it's been a fun ride. I mean, I've absolutely, completely enjoyed our time with the blog. I mean, of course... I hope to do this for a very long time. And now here we are with the podcast. So, I mean, it's just, it gets better all the time. I'm, I'm actually completely blown away by so many of our fans all the time. We get, um, we get great comments. We have great interactions with everybody. And really haven't had anything yeah, negative happen at all. We've had a, uh, some, some opportunities to, to meet and talk with some really fantastic people. Yes. Um, uh, with uh, uh, Arjun Games guys, the tabletop gamers, uh, they Bob were so fun. Um, oh man, I can't wait to talk to them again. And then with Pete from we just, re- we just recently were uh, were fortunate to get some to get some uh, questions answered for us by David Leach. Oh, from um, yeah, Titan. So if you haven't taken a look at that, absolutely, uh, definitely check that out. He's, He's a got really, some really interesting, interesting, guy. interesting yeah. things to say. And very well spoken. Really, really enjoyed his insight into his own psyche and and how he came up with his characters. And very, very English. <laughs> yes, he is. Yes, he is. Ah, it's 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 been a fun ride, man. It's, it's been cool. So obviously, I, I drove you nuts on the the Atomic Robo post. But do you have any uh, any favorite posts that you've done? Um, I. I don't know if it's my favorite post that I've done, but it certainly seems to be everyone else's. The poem that I wrote to Beast, um, I Want to Be Hank McCoy, that was that was a good one. And, of course, the one that's been brewing forever because it's my personal little spiel is the, um, the one about strong female characters. I mean, how many times have you heard that rant at this point, Andrew? Like 16, 17? 100 uh, times? 100, I guess that hasn't been 100 times. No, sixteen or seventeen hundred. Sixteen? No, it has. I was not finishing been your much. sentence there. Wow. No, it hasn't been that much, but it's been a lot. Um, I, that's a common, a common topic of conversation for me. So, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed writing that one, and I'm, I feel that especially as we spend more time in with in geek conventions and with our friends that are geeks, we're coming up with increasingly good quality topics to talk about. And that's one thing that I love is that both of us kind of had the fear in the back of our minds that we were going to run out of stuff to say. And we absolutely have I still have that fear. Are you kidding? With this, we have lists of topics. Um, Andrew's paranoid, but... I know, I know. I still have have that fear, though. That fear hasn't gone away. But every time that we think that we're getting low, we just spend some time in good company. And I, I walk away with ideas just brewing in my head. I mean, I just was flipping through some paperwork recently and came up discovered a list and some stuff from um, new york comic con still and i thought oh wow i never wrote about this but this was an idea that i had and i scribbled it down and completely forgot forgotten about it so i mean for me i I still have that i say i still have that fear however like three in the morning the other day when i was trying to sleep i ended up tapping a couple of notes into my iphone because it's like hey i have an idea Uh, if i don't write this son of a bitch down it's gone (laughs) Yeah, no, that's I've had true. some great I've, I've ideas lost. on the commute home. Like, turns out Siri is fantastic because I can tell Siri to take a note while I'm driving. Oh, that's a good uh, idea. And that way, I don't have to run off the road uh, oh, <laughs> or run someone else off the road. We we prefer when you, uh, you know, abide by the laws. Yeah, but I've had, I've had some great ideas um, on the commute home that got lost because I didn't realize Siri could do that. Originally. I've lost a few Siri. Some of my favorite posts have been. Um, some of the comic book stuff I've gotten to write about some of the comic history. I um, those are my favorite of yours. The Stan and Jack, uh, the Inker one I think is is always kind of fun just because I, I really kind of wrote that in a fairly short period of time, maybe an hour, and didn't really think a whole lot of it. I've got, and I had, I've gotten a lot of of positive feedback on it. Um, and that was really nice. Yeah, I definitely want to see more of those. 
and a little bit more history of, of different lesser known comic characters, like the Juggernaut thing that you just said in this podcast. Uh, I didn't know that he was stepbrother to um, Professor X, so that's really cool. Oh, I will. I will. I have to mention this one post that is not my favorite at all. Uh, a few months ago, I was very rushed and I tapped out a quick editorial on why Supernatural is a terrible TV show with a subtext that um, obviously that it is my guilty pleasure and I enjoy watching it. Um, but I understand that it's very bad writing and it, it really is just awful TV. And we're gonna get so much hate mail for this. Uh, I just. That's okay. Uh, Keep going. The, the, there was a little bit of lack of detail in the original post, so not my favorite. But I figured, you know, okay, um, it's up there, and and everybody will read it, and then they'll forget about it. And somehow, I have, and and it did. It disappeared for about a month. But since then, uh, WordPress allows us to see who, or not who, but it allows us to see what blog posts have been viewed that day, and every single day. Someone Including today. Are you serious? Somebody looked at it now. Yep. Now. Um, I looked about five minutes ago. Just to see? Because you knew I was going to talk yep. about this, didn't you? Yep. Wow. Wow. Someone goes back and reads that post, and it will not die. I don't. It drives me completely nuts. I don't. On. I don't even understand. I wrote that months ago. Why are people still looking at it? How are they finding it? It's not showing and up in searches. I don't understand. For months, uh, Tracy has been uh, blaming me, accusing me of <laughs> looking looking at the post uh, not logged in just to, to, to push those numbers up. And honest to God, I wish I were that devious. I'm, like, I, I yeah, like to think totally that I'm, I'm fairly devious. Uh, how do people find it? It has to be you. I don't understand how anyone else could find that post. I wish I wish I had thought of this. If I had known that this would work this well, I would I'm be all over that. But someone has least, beat me to this one, so. There's at least one view per day. And on my birthday last month, there were six. Five. Five. So, oh, six. It went up before the end of the day. Uh, I don't even understand. I don't understand. There was one day a couple of weeks ago that was nine. Why? I don't understand. This, guys, this post haunts me. It haunts me. <laughs> it will not die. I don't understand. Uh. Uh. But yeah, I, before you know, we, we wrap this up, I just want to say that we appreciate, appreciate every single one of our viewers, especially um, when y'all leave comments and we're able to see who you are, because, I mean, obviously we don't know unless you talk to us. Um, but please... Do not hesitate to leave comments on um, on the blog, on Facebook. You can always tweet at us. We really love hearing from all of you. You can email us at thereforeageek.com. Yeah. Or, no, that's our website. I'm sorry. At thereforeageek at gmail.com. You yeah. can email us questions or comments. That's Yeah, if you, if you want to um, do it more privately, that's absolutely something that you can do. And you can always send stuff to me. I'm uh, thereforeageekeditorial at gmail.com. Or you can, I mean, my personal twitter is also at mary eyes that's m-e-r-r-y-e-y-e-s um and you can talk directly to me if you want to but yeah we love you guys we really appreciate that you're hanging out with us and um that you care what we have to say it's cool so tracy just uh wrapping up here Mm -hmm. uh what have you been into lately oh well okay so um finals week just ended as of wednesday morning so I'm hanging out for a couple of weeks before the summer session starts, and I have a gigantic canvas tote bag, one of the great big ones from Trader Joe's, that is packed with books. I have Brandon Sanderson's um, second book in his Way of Things series, and I have a book on the CIA, a book on MI6, a whole stack of comic books, new and old. Um, I just finished Lock and Key, the very first um first book I, I think i said that on the very first podcast that we ever did and i just finally finished those ones because i had time um what else do i have now i have a whole bunch of books i think i have your ready player one that you finished reading um, no uh cory has that no what i have something uh, uh might be the it's your history of history of comic books one book that you, you got two of them you got that you've also got the un- marvel the untold story oh yeah i do have that one too 
oh man, I don't know if I'm going to get all this done in two weeks, but oh man, you guys, I have such a stack of books. My reading list of Doom is completely out of control right now. It's of Doom. It is of Doom. I may die. I may be crushed under the weight of it. So what are you into at the moment? Uh, so since I'm on travel um, and I flew down instead of driving because, like I, I said before, long car rides are really a bad idea. Um, I've packed fairly light, so I've been catching up on a lot of back comics on my iPad. Um, I'm about halfway through uh, Thor, God, the Thor God of Thunder series. Oh. Uh, after that, I'm going to work my way through um, Uncanny X-Force. Uh, oh, nice. And I'm also reading about halfway through uh, Foundation and Empire. You know, obviously, you know, classic science fiction. Need to do some more reading of that and nice. finish that off. And then obviously we're enjoying, uh, I think we're both enjoying season three of Game of Thrones. Right. Oh, season, season four. four season uh, we're on season four. four. Yes. And I think it's episode six on Sunday night. So yep. we're actually just over the halfway point. Can you believe how fast this season, this season has been packed. Last season I felt moved I told a you it slowly, would be. but whew, this season is full of stuff happening and I'm over in. I told you, I told you they couldn't do the standard HBO episode one, episode nine stuff. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. And, and you are absolutely right, I have to admit. I'm super excited about Oberyn. They have, when I first saw the pictures of the guy that is playing him, I, I wasn't super impressed. I have been made impressed by him. I'm excited for Tyrion's storyline. I'm excited for Jamie's storyline. Um, super glad that uh, Brienne is awesome. You know, she's one of my favorite characters. Uh, the only one that is starting to slow down a little bit I'm going to have to cut is... that spoiler out. You know that, right? Wait, which one? Oh, I'm so Aww. sorry. Um, so, <laughs> so um, I'm. I, I love Brienne. I love Arya. Um, Bran's storyline has been condensed, so we're actually seeing some action there. It's nice. Yeah, it, it's all in all, it's been a really good season. Sorry, I rambled on that one a little bit. That happens. Um, let me think. Um, also, oh, webcomic Digger. I'm into that. Um, I kind of got lost halfway through, so I have to find my place again because my web browser cut out, and then it, it doesn't have really good definitions between, so I'm going to have to like scan through every single comic until I get back to my place. But yeah, I want to finish that one. And that's a webcomic that has actually come to an end, so I can read the whole thing. I'm excited about that. Yeah, I've got something similar with Starslip, although that I'm actually reading in uh, book form as opposed to on the internet. But Nice, nice. Yeah, so that's what we're into at the moment. Okay, so if you want to check out more, uh, go ahead and head on over to thereforeigeek.com, facebook.com slash thereforeigeek, or check us out on Twitter, at thereforeigeek. Uh, head on over to iTunes for more episodes of our podcast. Please, And make sure please. to leave us five-star reviews. Yes, absolutely. Please do that. And of course, if you want to talk to me directly, hit me up at, at thereforeigeek on Twitter as well. Oops, I said that one. At Marianne. So, once again, I'm Andrew. And I'm Tracy. And you have been listening to Random Thought Generator.